When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. See, Joe, I know the series ain't over. I knew that all along. It was everybody else who forgot the series isn't over after a game. Game one, everybody who told me that they were handing the Nuggets a ring already. Everybody who was breaking out brooms after seeing one, one game. I knew it wasn't over. I know still it ain't over. So how's the series end? If you, if you, if you, this is the fun part. In hindsight, it's always easy to look back. Always easy. And you have done a remarkable job of that today. Now, what we want (laughs) is to cash in on what's going to happen in the future. Because if we can get that information, we can go ahead and profit off it. So I'll just sit back. Uh, First time caller, long time listener. I'm just going to hang up and listen. Oh, no, you're not, your job's not going to be that easy. You are going to. I'm going to force you to be part of this conversation. <laughs> I have taken the heat since the beginning. I will ride with my heat all the way through. What I have learned in these two games, watching the Denver Nuggets, is they're not unbeatable. Everybody talks about the Nuggets like they're the like they're the warriors of the height of their dynasty or something, you know? It, it's, it's not an unbeatable team. It's not a 72-win type team, right? It's they have flaws. It's a very, very good team. It's a team that probably has the best player in the world on it, but there are flaws and you might be able to exploit those flaws. If you're a team going up against them, I understand they've got the better players. They've got the more talent. They've got the, the game one on the series one on paper, but we have learned time and again that this thing ain't played on paper in this postseason. ESPN radio is presented by progressive insurance. Progressive protects your home, auto boat, motorcycle, and RV and could save you money. Visit Progressive.com. That being said, I do think the Miami Heat have an important decision to make. If you're the Miami Heat, Joe, Tyler Hero, do you bother to go there? Because they're cooking. They feel good, obviously, about taking one here on the road. And Denver, Hero could disrupt that all. But you're talking about your second most important player offensively. So let's put it like this. If If Jamal Murray hits that shot at the end of the game last night, ties it, it goes to overtime, and Denver wins. Do you think there's anyone on earth who's like, no, 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 don't bring Tyler Hero back. The Heat are playing really well. We don't want to disrupt it. No No one would be saying that. Everyone would be saying they got to get Hero back in the lineup. They need more scoring. This is the end of the season. Even if you're not 100%, you got to go. But because they won that game last night, suddenly there's this thought that, like, "Mm, he could disrupt. Maybe there's some rhythm or some flow that could be disrupted. But again, he was with them all regular season. It's not like it's his first year there. They know how he operates. I think they would figure it out. This is like when Carmelo Anthony goes down and Jeremy Lin steps in and everyone starts saying, oh, are the Knicks better without Carmelo Anthony? No, they're not better without Carmelo Anthony. It's just a brief moment in time that's kind of tricking us. Again, it's the recency bias issue that we talk about on this show from time to time. So if Hero's good to go and he's ready to come back, you get him into the lineup. How you get him into the lineup is interesting. Maybe you ease him back. Maybe he's not a starter right away. But you got to get him on the floor because you're going to need more scoring. You're not going to play three of the next, what, five games 
against Denver and be able to pull it out with 98, 104, 106 points. There's going to be some shootouts. You're going to need to be able to engage in those. I think the questions here aren't if they're better without Tyler Hero for talking normal Tyler Hero, but of course there's questions about what version of Tyler Hero you're going to get when he's coming off of a broken hand. He's coming off of an injury, but then also it's not just that he's coming off of the pain of that and getting back to playing basketball because he's been cleared for quite some time here. It's the conditioning factor because you're walking into the NBA finals. I mean, if this was regular season in terms of the pace of play, no problem, but you're walking into the NBA finals. And so that's probably the concern here. Tyler Hero did play 67 games this season. You're talking about a player who averaged 20 points per game, quite literally their most important or second most important player offensively for the Miami Heat. But even Tyler Hero has some concerns about whether he could disrupt the chemistry there and the way that things have been flowing. This is per Roz Gold and Wude. She tweeted out that she spoke with Tyler Hero ahead of game two, ahead of the pregame routine, that he told her that he was experiencing still some soreness and swelling in his hand. So that doesn't sound great. But then he went on to say, obviously, that he's you know working on the follow-through motion. He can shoot. But he did also, according to... Roz share his consideration of not wanting to come back and mess up the rhythm of the team. While there was hope, she said that he returned for game two as he's participating in all aspects of the team practice. He does not end up making an appearance in game two. He's making sure that the time is right for his return to the court. So it wasn't game two. Do we see him in game three? Well, it's going to depend on how he feels. I mean, that's what it, the series being 1-1 and with the way Miami's gone, you don't necessarily need to rush it. But how is he going to feel? Because if you're going to be ineffective, you're better off sitting another game out. If you have something to add, something to contribute, absolutely be on the court. Because Jimmy Butler needs help. His scoring has dropped off precipitously. The guy's done a lot. It's a long postseason run. I think there's an injury he's battling. He does not look 100%. He's not driving to the rim and finishing like we're used to seeing. He's driving, and he's doing a lot of kicking. The facilitation helps, but he hasn't been the scorer that we remember from early in the playoffs. So if it's not going to be him, and if Caleb Martin is now battling an illness, and you've got other guys that on some nights are going to be hot and some nights going to be cold, you're going to need another scoring option, and Hero's going to be the guy, but not if he's going to come out on that court at less than 50%. It's not going to help you. I think what you do if you're Spo, and I don't know if you do this in game three or four, but I think what you do if you're Spo is that you bring Tyler Hero off the bench in very a very limited capacity, and you kind of start sprinkling him in to see how he fits. Does he disrupt the chemistry? Can he actually give you anything, even though he still has the soreness and he still has the swelling in his hand? He said that he could feel the soreness when he's making his follow-through shooting motion. So how much is that going to actually affect his shot? But I think what you do is you, is you sprinkle him in in the moments that Jokic is on the bench. Because you don't necessarily want to put them through that, right? You don't want them to try to feast defensively on Tyler Hero. Obviously, Denver knows that he's coming in. He's got this injury as well that he also hasn't been playing at this level now in quite some time. 
when Jokic is on the bench, Jimmy's on the bench, that's the time that you bring in Tyler Hero, maybe give you a little lift. I think the concern would be, does he take anything away from, for example, Duncan Robinson? That whole game was won by Duncan Robinson last night. Duncan Robinson was a player who lost his starting job because of Tyler Hero. And the Heat were moving forward with Tyler Hero, right? Guys like that have stepped up more in Tyler Hero's absence. But I'm not sure Tyler Hero coming back, particularly in a limited capacity, disrupts that. It's like they've had their chance now to shine and show Spo that they're going to contribute. I think it's smart to try to add another contributor. Yeah, the other thing to keep in mind is that you can't bank on Duncan Robinson going off every single night. Like, you know with a guy like Nikola Jokic, what's the worst-case scenario? You're probably getting 20, 22 points, 12 boards, five, six assists. That's like a worst case for him, right? If the assists drop, the scoring goes up. His ceiling, though, is through the roof. For Butler, even though his ceiling is dropped, he's still good to produce a certain stat line. Guys like Robinson, guys like Vincent, guys like Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, they're very streaky. They're very hot-cold. Some nights you can get that big effort, but it's outside the averages. You know you can't bank on that night in and night out, just like you know they're not going to be terrible night in and night out. You know, that's what ends up happening with a guy like Jalen Brown in Boston. He'll have a great shooting night, and then he'll come out the next night, it'll be average, but he's got enough volume that he can still put up some scoring. So having Hero is way more of a positive than it is a negative. Obviously, Miami would probably love to have someone who's closer to 6'10 coming onto the floor to add to this series, but at 6'5, Hero shooting will be, will be needed. Yeah, I mean, listen, all these role players are going to be somewhat streaky, right? And shooters are streaky if they ain't Steph Curry. But Duncan Robinson didn't make $90 million for a reason. So it's not a surprise what he did last night, even if it's a surprise to a lot of the world. Maybe him mean mugging on Jokic is a surprise. But otherwise, what Duncan Robinson did wasn't a surprise to Miami Heat fans. The The hard thing for Denver is that Miami has several of those guys. So when Duncan goes cold, then Gabe Vincent's hot. Or when he is cold, then Max Struess is hot. I mean, Max Struess goes from 0-10 in game one and just brushes it off. Like, ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Comes out <laughs> in game two, three, right out of the gate. I just ice cold in that man's veins. And that is the story, frankly, of the Miami Heat. Coming up next, we sound off on a certain colleague having way too much sound on. We will explain what I'm talking about. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
rolling along here on Joe and Amber. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We're going to continue to react to the NBA Finals and beyond. Right now, let's sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. So J.J. Redick and Stephen A. Smith, they're loud wrong about this series, okay? Because everybody's been sleeping on my Miami Heat, except for Kendrick Perkins, by the way. Big Perk has not been sleeping on the Heat. However, on first take, he may have sounded like he was sleeping on the set for a moment. On first take this morning, our own NBA analyst, J.J. Redick, was trying to provide some NBA analysis, but could not focus due to some strange noises in his ear. This is not the first time a team has tried to make Nikola Jokic a score. This is not the first time a team has made, uh, been, been more physical with Jamal Murray and tried to disrupt their two, two-man action. For as well as the Nuggets have played at times, I, Perk, is that you moaning in my ear over and over again? Yeah, I know. I, mean, I was getting ready to ask you. You sound God. like you got sleep apnea, Perk. Are you Perk. okay? Would you all right? Are you okay? Yeah, that's me. It's okay. Not, it's, 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 all right. Are you intentionally trying to be disgusted? I mean, it makes sense that Big Perk was disgusted because I also was disgusted by the analysis of those guys over the last few days of this series as a Heat fan, Joe. But that's hilarious. I have long been a supporter of more of that, more of the real moments, right? TV has a very specific welcome to the radio can be like this, too. Welcome to the show. Here is topic one. Here is my talking point. Here is your talking point. Here's a third person's talking point. Let's roll some some footage. Let's get some graphics up there. Let's bring on a guest and let's just keep it moving. Right. And that works. People want to be informed. But this is the type of stuff that has to weave its way in whenever it gets an opportunity. You don't overwhelm the show with it. But great move by Reddick calling that out. Great move by Stephen A. Immediately having a line that was hilarious to follow it up. And then great move by Perk addressing it, acknowledging it, and moving on. It's just a great, genuine moment. I love that stuff. I love moments like that, too. It also shows how comfortable all of those guys are on national television in front of millions of eyeballs or whatever it is. So that's great as well. You're right. TV is that. TV does tend to have less of that because it tends to be more stuffy if you work in television. People always ask me, why do you want to be in sports radio, especially when I was a little younger. It seemed more unusual, I think, for a woman, frankly, in this career as well, to want to follow a sports radio path instead of a pure television path. And I would always say that because sports radio is so much more fun and you can bring so much more personality. And yes, it can be, like you just said, it can be a bit more scripted and monotonous in, in ways, but it allows for more of that behind the curtain stuff. Whereas TV tends to not necessarily do that first take is the exception to that because I think first take is a little bit more of a radio style show frankly on television if you really think about it sort of the debate format really is something pulled from the likes of sports radio yeah and if you go behind the scenes on that show like I work on a show called daily wager where we are very rigid with the amount of time being given not just to each subject 
but to each individual speaking on that subject. Oh, yeah, they are so, not there. For example, you know, you're talking about which is a better bet, Kansas City to win the AFC or Buffalo. And it's slotted for three and a half minutes, and then it's divided up amongst all the things the host has to say and then all the time the guests get. And you want to be as on top of it as possible. On that show, they will blow right through windows that might be commercials. Mm-hmm. Like, I have had scheduled wow. hits on that show for 8.30 that don't happen until 8.50 because so many things end up getting pushed back. But that's part of the genius of it. If they're cooking, let them cook. Don't cut them off and force a new subject just because you want to keep it moving. People are watching because they're watching more for the personalities than they are for the information. I'm surprised to hear that from the guy who always tells me that I'm going too long with my takes when we do jury duty. So I'm surprised to hear the take when they're cooking, let them cook because I was a cooking on Friday and you were trying not to let me cook when I was telling you the Miami Heat are going to win more than one game in this series. And you were saying they weren't because you didn't think they were even going to win one. Just to now. be clear, you're putting yourself in the Stephen A. Smith category. Is that what I'm hearing here? Hey, listen, give, it, give me a little time. I'm not, years, say, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying, is, is, is that what I'm hearing right now? Come let Stephen A. Stephen. cook. Let Amber Wilson cook. All right, Packers, I can get behind it. Players and coaches have been pretty outspoken about their new franchise quarterback this offseason. Most recently, Packers wide receiver Romeo Dobbs had some very high praise about the young Packers quarterback. He said, I think Jordan is a really good quarterback. When you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan, Aaron was a really great quarterback, but I believe Jordan can do the exact same thing. So I don't really see what's the big difference. Jeremy Fowler was on Greeny earlier today, and this was his response to all the praise of Jordan Love. You know, you're projecting confidence, but you're also speaking into existence what you think is valid. They believe Jordan Love, with the right pieces around him, can get it done. He's got probably more weapons than Aaron Rodgers had a year ago. And if the offensive line can hold up and they have those two great running backs, then you might have a winner. He doesn't have to put up huge numbers either. He just has to have command of the offense. That's really their main goal for him. We are talking about a player, Joe, that was sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for years waiting for his turn. Now you're turning over the keys to the franchise. Like, yes, you need to probably instill a little confidence in that guy. That's probably a good strategy. The betting markets have no faith in him or the Packers whatsoever. They have like the worst odds to win their division. The worst. Now, I can understand that behind Detroit, who's like the up-and-comer in the division on the cusp of a playoff spot last year. Minnesota won 13 games, so I get it. The Bears are suddenly all the rage off their three-win season. I know they're getting better, but they're a year away from being a year away, which is my opinion of that team. But the Packers are just an absolute afterthought. So this isn't going to just come down to Jordan Love. When you're talking about the head coach there, this is going to come down to how good of a job he has done getting this kid ready. I don't think it's the most challenging thing in the world to miss the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, which is exactly what the Packers did last year. But with Jordan Love as your quarterback, winning four games is going to mean a change in uh, leadership. The reality is if they had so much confidence in him, they would have uh, given him an extension, right? Or picked up that fifth-year option. So they're allowing a lot to remain to be seen. Warriors had I think he Steve- did get an extension, but it's not like he got a big time, we love you, you're the guy. It's an $8.8 million signing bonus, $15 million in guarantees. He has the possibility of making $24 million between 2023 and 2024 Per, uh, per the sources. That so that's there. just the really short one, right? That just yeah. keeps him there. That's the thing, though. If they really had confidence in him, right? I mean, real confidence. Yeah, where's the We're five-year deal? We're the entire keys to the castle. We're going to lock you up, right? We're not going to allow this conversation to exist. And instead of locking him up, they're saying, well, hey, we'll see. 
Yeah. We'll see. I mean, you we're been here all confident. these years, but you're yeah, the guy, so, right? But we'd rather watch you be the guy and then have to pay you more next year. That's yeah. our business model. Well, that's exactly what it is. That's the stupidity in it. If I mean, that's how not convinced they are, because the stupidity is you're running the risk of he goes out. You're wrong. He balls out, which sure. Good news for Green Bay, except for now you're about to pay him a boatload of money that you wouldn't have otherwise had to pay him if you had been comfortable signing him to a three year or five year extension. Clearly, they aren't that, though. So we will see what happens there with Jordan Love in Green Bay. He's got very big shoes to fill and apparently not a lot of time to do it. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, more on the NBA Finals. They are headed back to the 305. All tied up. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Malone not so happy after Game 2 of the NBA Finals, in part... Because the Miami Heat maybe figured out a little something in terms of defending that Denver Nuggets team, although many teams have thought that in the past. And none of them in terms of the postseason have actually had any success longer than a very short snippet of time. If you were the Phoenix Suns, we will get into that conversation in just a moment. But we always welcome you to join our conversation. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's where we find Charles. Charles is calling us from Montana. Hey, Charles, what's up? Thanks for the call. Go ahead. How you doing, uh, Amber and Joe? Uh, I just was, this was maybe a question that was better suited for right before game two, but I'm still curious about it. Is it better to be the higher seeded team tied one, one in the series like Denver is right now, or would you, or, or the uh, lower seeded team down Oh two, because one of them, the series is flipped where the other one you're down two, but the series hasn't flipped. Yeah, I see what no you're one. saying there, Charles, because I almost feel like, Joe, it's a wash where 1-1 for Denver feels like 0-2 would feel for Miami, right? And the reality was, and you heard it earlier when we were discussing this game, the pressure, Ryan Hollins even said it when he was on our air, and if you missed that, you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app. The pressure was on Denver in game two, not on Miami. Denver's expected to win games one and two because they have home court advantage. They're the one seed. The eighth seed is not expected to go to Denver with the altitude and everything else we heard about and take one and steal home court advantage back. And that's exactly what they did. So the pressure was on Denver not to let that happen. Miami ends up letting that happen. It's kind of a wash. I feel like 1-1 for Denver feels like 0-2 would have felt for Miami. You're definitely thrilled to be the Miami Heat right now, without a shadow of a doubt. And I understand the mental gymnastics going into trying to figure out what's the better scenario, but Miami achieved everything they set out to achieve. You go down 0-2 against these guys. Now you got to come home. You have to win both games at home because if you drop one, you're heading back to Denver for game five. It could be a closeout game. And keep in mind, under this hypothetical, Denver would have been, what, 10-0 and in the postseason when playing at home and winning by a ridiculous margin. So that's a huge win for Miami. Now the question is, you shift to Miami. Can the Heat win game three? 
because it all gets thrown out the window. Everything that just happened in game two ends up meaning virtually nothing if you go home and immediately give home court back to Denver because it's essentially like Denver winning the first two and then losing game three on the road. No big deal. Two big questions. One, will Denver make the necessary adjustments to counter what Spo did in game two? And number two, can Miami continue its hot shooting? Because if you shoot 49% from deep, you're probably going to win the game. Right. That will certainly be the key. You saw when the shooting was cold in game one, things went very, very differently for the Miami Heat. Steve Kerr knows a little bit of something about trying to defend this Denver Nuggets team. The Warriors head coach was on the Draymond Green Show podcast, and he discussed how to beat this Warriors team. And it might surprise you who he said that you need to focus on defensively. You know, you mentioned them starting love. Uh, that allowed Jimmy Butler to guard Murray. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like, you know, I haven't talked to Spo or anything like that, but I can see them in their coaches meetings saying Murray's the head of the snake. If you just look at it, you go, well, Jokic is the head of the snake. Mm-hmm. When you play a team, you sort of realize, wait a second, he's going to dominate no matter what we do. So we got this is the head of the snake. And I think they just decided Murray's the guy we got to stop. So you start love put Jimmy Butler on Murray. And then you saw like they were blitzing Murray quite a bit and uh, really trying everything to take him out of the game. Murray had 18 points, 10 assists, four boards. Uh, You got got to go more in the fourth quarter. A lot of that game, though, Jamal Murray was very affected by that defense. The Heat was putting on them, putting Jimmy Butler on Murray was a lot more effective than the strategy in game one there, Joe. Yeah, he wasn't good enough. That's what that comes down to. He's not a role player. He's one of the big two on that team. Big two always need to show up. We see it in Boston. Tatum has a big night, but Brown doesn't show up, and the Celtics end up falling apart. Joel Embiid might have a big night, but James Harden doesn't show up. Sixers can't get it done. You know, at this level of competition, there's just elite talent on both sides. You've got the role players, and you've got the stars. Role players, it's nice when they have their nuclear nights. You go back to last night with Miami, Duncan Robinson, four of five from the field. He drops 10 crucial points in 17 minutes. Max Struess, your boy, 29 minutes, 14 points, has a better shooting night. Gabe Vincent, it goes on and on. Now, these guys had rough nights in game one. They bounce back in game two. You'll take that from your rule, guys. But Jamal Murray can't go out there at home in game two of the NBA Finals, get 15 shots up, and turn it into 18 points. It's just not good enough. One free throw. He had a lot of assists, but he basically took that over for Jokic. It wasn't good enough. Jokic can't drop 41, and the Nuggets lose to a team that's not a very high-scoring team. Not to knock the heat, but they're not known as a fast-paced, up-tempo, shoot a lot of shots, score a lot of points team. They're going to drag you down in the mud a little bit. They're going to try to eke one out over you in low-scoring fashion, and that's what they did in Game 2. I was absolutely loving what was happening last night with Jamal Murray because y'all had made me have that really annoying conversation on Friday about is Jokic and Murray the best duo in the NBA and Murray's now the best number two in the entire league and everyone's acting like he's the best point guard of all time. Like after one game, this Jamal Murray conversation to the point where James Steele, our producer, even said to me at one point, you hate Jamal Murray. I'm like, I don't. I just think that in fact, I think he's a very good player. But the conversation with him, I feel like has been so overinflated for a player who, frankly, everybody was acting like the Nuggets shouldn't have missed when he was out all the time, which I was also ridiculous when they're acting like Jokic was underperforming when Jamal Murray was injured forever and then coming off of the injury last season. Nevertheless, Jamal Murray is a very good player. Jamal Murray did disappear some in game two, but also it was because he was disrupted by that defense for the Miami Heat. What's remarkable when we're talking about duos, because you're saying that can't happen from the Stars, 
is Jimmy Butler also didn't really do much for the first three quarters of that game last night. So on the Miami side, it hasn't been the stars. Like Jimmy this series hasn't really been Jimmy. Like he certainly hasn't been superstar postseason Jimmy. Bam has been. But the other side of that duo, not so much. Jimmy had some big moments in the fourth quarter. He certainly did help get the dub, but he hasn't exactly... Their stars, in other words, on the Miami Heat side also haven't both stepped up at all times. They strike me as a team. They're just different. They're more old school where they've got a star in Butler, but he's not your traditional like Giannis type star, right? Where you expect 30 points a night and then you expect the 12 rebounds or a Kevin Durant type star or a Steph Curry type star. It's not to say he's not a star because I know it's going to sound like I'm trying to play him down. He's just a different type of star, the way he plays. And there's a reason there's the playoff Jimmy uh, image imaging we talk about every single postseason when he goes off but the heat are more built on that heat culture thing that you always talk about lots of guys contributing in lots of different ways a true team effort so i don't really throw them into that category just because they're very unique in how they go about their business i also think jimmy butler is one of those superstars where he's such a facilitator and then also when you're talking about what he does in terms of the mental a component of the game for his team where it feels like he's always involved, even if he's not having a great shooting night, for example, like you, in other words, sort of attribute the success of other guys like Max Struess being able to have such a short memory between game one, where he quite literally had a historically bad NBA finals shooting performance, historically bad over 10. Then he comes back in game two and has the night that he had last night. And some of that in a small way feels like, it's attributable to Jimmy Butler, not to take anything away from Struess, but just in other words, Jimmy is a leader of that team. All of those players tell you that over and over and over again when you interview them, that Jimmy Butler is the leader of this team. We go as he goes, and the way he goes is unbothered. I mean, that dude is just unbothered by everything that happens. And so in turn... It feels like the guys around him have been unbothered. So they show up in the ways that he needs them to, even if he's not having the best moment of the night. Coming up next, we're going to show up in ways you need us to, because we're going to open up the phone lines to you. Terrence, I see you on the phone line, even though I banned you because you took the nuggets in four. I appreciate you calling back. I expect an apology next segment. Also, anybody else who wants to call in and apologize to me or, you know, tell me to shut the heck up. Go ahead. Triple A. Say ESPN 888-729-3776. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with their easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. We play some caller roulette next. Phone lines are open here on Joe and Amber. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Let's play some caller roulette. 13 black hot, no winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play caller roulette with Joe and Amber. I'm just going to go straight to Terrence in Georgia because I got to hear this. Hey, Terrence, thanks for calling back. What do you have for me, Terrence? You put those brooms away, Terrence? All right, Abra. All right, Abra. I apologize. There you go. I thought it was so funny that you banned me last week, though. <laughs> but anyway. I did. And then you didn't. Uh, and then I think I you t- didn't call in on Friday. So you, you, you adhere no, to the ban. I don't, I don't usually call in on Fridays. I call in, you know, during the week. But anyway, I'm sorry I doubted the heat. I, I 
Spolster to me seems like he's the Belichick of basketball. He will do what it, he will make the adjustments where I see other coaches won't make the adjustments, even though it's a glaring thing that they need to do. You know, I again, I apologize, but I still say Denver's going to win it. Oh, well, there's no uh, words that I like more in the entire English language uh, than I'm sorry. Or I was wrong. Those are good words as well. Uh, but you still managed to take Denver there on the back. And that's fair. A lot of people taking Denver. Let's go ahead and spin that wheel. Randy. Randy is in Fort Myers. Randy, about an hour south of me right now. Thanks for the call, Randy. Go ahead. Amber, across 75 from you. I'm a Knicks fan. Been down in Fort Myers for 43 years, though, so I should probably start rooting for more Florida teams. By the way, where were you at UF? Did we miss each other? I was up there from 96 <laughs> to 99. Uh, yes, you just missed me I, I, by, by a few years. I was there. This is a lot of personal information. I was there 2001 to 2005. Okay. I lived up there until 2014, but... Uh, Anyway, room for the uh, heat, pull for them hard, and uh, hope they do it. And uh, thanks for taking the call. Bye-bye. Well, thanks for the call, Randy. Uh, actually in Sarasota right now, so not even across. 75 from your neck of the woods. But there you go, Gator Caller. I always I always like Gator Callers, Joe. We so don't get be, enough of them. be clear, <laughs> that gentleman yes. took time out of his day to pick up the it. phone, call this station, Maybe ask what year you story. went to Florida, and then say go heat, and then that that's it. That's the extent of what the well, Gator graduates he, have to I'm offer national radio. I'm glad he did. Okay, settled down. I'm glad he did because it allows me to say this. So I was there. I graduated in 2005. However, I was still there in 2006 because I was working at the local news station in their sports department there at TV20 in Gainesville, the start of my career. And I got to cover those 2006 national championship teams. I don't know if you remember those days, Joe, at the University of Florida. They were pretty good oh, yeah. days. Tim Tebow, you know, Urban Meyer, Aaron Hernandez, a lot going on on those Florida teams. Well, there's a documentary coming out on Netflix. It was announced. It's coming out in August now. Uh, Swamp Kings, I think is what it's called. I don't have it in front of me, but it's about those Urban Meyer championship UF squads, which I mean, I don't know if there's a team in all of college football history that would be more interesting to have a documentary on that one. There's a lot to unpack there. You didn't mention the Pouncey twins. You didn't mention Percy Harvin. Um, There were a lot of dudes, a lot of dudes on all different ends of the spectrum in terms of just, shall we say, personality, demeanor, post football career opportunities, things like that. That should be a fascinating documentary. Hopefully the access for the for the for the people that put that together is top notch. I would imagine that it is. Let's spin that wheel. Elijah, Elijah is in Michigan. Hey Elijah, thanks for the call. What do you have for us? Elijah. All right, Elijah loses. Let's spin it. Oh, he's there. Hey Elijah. What a comeback. Yes, now we can. Go ahead. Oh, my God. Come on the radio. What? What? Okay, you can hear me? I yes. can hear you, but we're, you're about to not be on the we're radio unless you, talking go, to you. unless you go I'm ahead sorry, with your I'm take. Sorry. I'm sorry. Basically, I got heat in seven. I honestly think Nuggets are tough, but I think that he got it. End of the day, the heat, heat are bringing it home. Like, there's a lot of uh, heat callers and confidence right now on the call-in line. I don't know if that's just because now everyone's overreacting to game two 
or if that's because I'm on this show? I don't think it's overreacting. I think essentially those who thought the Heat could get it done, it's not like it was zero. There are people out there who believed in them outside of the fan base. You see a win like that, you're going to chirp a little bit, as you should. Let's spin the wheel. Mike, Mike calls us from Manhattan, friend of the show. Hey, Mike, what do you have for us? What's up, guys? I want to talk to the NBA Finals. I had the Nuggets in seven. I just I didn't agree with a lot of the, the talking heads who thought this would be a quick series because the Heat got the best tactician in Spolstra, and they do have one of the best playoff performers in Jimmy Buckets. But if, if you're Miami and, and actually if you're the Nuggets, you, you gag that one away. So it was really surprised in the fourth quarter there when they had a chance to blow that game open. They, they really took their foot off the gas there. And I thought the, the X factor there was Duncan Robinson, who was much maligned all year and has been a, a pretty key contributor. And really, I, I don't know how they won that game. Caleb Martin wasn't feeling well. He didn't really give him anything. And Jimmy Buckets really just balled out there. And I think, bam, if he plays Jokic like that, this is, they have a chance to win this series. For the Heat now coming back home, getting the split there and giving Denver that first loss, I think it's imperative for them to win both games at home because I don't know if they can pull off another another win in, in Denver because as great as they played, they, they really were trying to egg to give that game away at the end and where Jamal Murray uh, missed three from going to overtime. So I think Jimmy Buckets has got to come out aggressive and attack mode in both these games here because I think the Heat need to take both these games and that's going to be paradise for them uh, to win both games at home. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, you, it, the thing is here, it was imperative for the Heat to be able to grab one of these because also of how hard it is to win at Ball Arena. And that goes so far beyond the Heat. The Heat hadn't won there, by the way, since 2016, Joe. 2016. But... Nobody wins there, right? Nobody has won there quite literally in this entire postseason. And you consider that that team played the Suns with Kevin Durant and LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Those guys couldn't win there either. What what makes it so challenging, especially for the Eastern teams to win in Denver, is that it's usually the last game on a Western road trip. So you head out West and maybe you'll play the Kings, the Warriors, the Lakers, and you're already tired. And on the way back, you stop in Denver, you're at altitude, you just want to get home, and you're at this, just this brutal, brutal disadvantage in terms of rest and preparation. A lot of people don't realize that it's a huge win for Denver, how a lot of that's scheduled for them. Let's spin it. Anthony. Anthony is in Cleveland. Hey, Anthony, thanks for the call. What do you have? Man, so I'm not feeling it. First of all, I got to shout out to Gold Hammer because I know he's been on the national radio for a while because so being in Cleveland. But this NBA Finals, man, I got no interest. I lived out in Denver, Capitol Hill out there in Denver. Old Hammers from Denver. Then I got to put up with hearing your voice on the stage. I lived in Florida in Orlando. I used to work for the Mouse there at Disney World. Now I got to hear all the Florida teams. The Marlins came into Cleveland and waxed us to two, to two or three from us. Now I got to hear... And then Kevin Love, y'all took Kevin Love from us. He didn't want to play here. Now he's down in Miami. He's throwing court, 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 
cross passes, whatever you touch their passes <laughs> to Jimmy Buckets and, and, and Hero couldn't become. We don't want to hear this in Cleveland. Adam, thanks for the call. By the way, we have a couple Cleveland greats here, Aaron Goldhammer and Emmett Golden here on our airwaves on ESPN Radio. But y'all didn't want Kevin Love anymore. That's what it seemed like. I don't think you thought that he had much left in the tank. And it seems like he does have a little something in the tank. And part of what he's got left in the tank is helping the Heat figure out how to defend that Denver Nuggets team. Because he does add size that we didn't see from the Heat in Game 1. That size allowed Jimmy to move over to Jamal Murray, and that size allowed everything to open up there in the first quarter at the beginning of that game in Game 2. I would imagine we will see Kevin Love moving forward. We're also going to see Freddie and Fitzsimmons. They're always here. They're coming up next. Oh, my gosh. I'm on the radio. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.